Well, good morning, Shepherd. It is good to be with you all this morning. If we haven't met before, my name is Gabby, and I get to work with our students here at Shepherd. And every once in a while, I get to come up here and talk to all of you. Um, and we kind of snuck in a series here in between uh, the holidays and the new year. And I just think this picture is so cute. Look at you guys are so cute. Can I say that? I don't know. Um, I think I can. But uh, we are calling this series One Another, and it's really based off of this passage from John chapter 13. I believe it's coming. There we go. Um, it says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And really, we see this passage, as Pastor Christian referenced it last week, as sort of the central uh, expectation that Jesus has for his followers that we may have a lot of ideas of how we can best show the world our Christian faith, how we can best provide evidence that we are followers of Jesus, but Jesus actually lays it out for us right here. That our best witness to the world, that our best evidence of our faith, that the best thing that we can actually do for Jesus is to love one another. And in fact, this word, one another, it shows up all over the New Testament. And so Christian and I decided to look at a few of those passages to find the evidence of, okay, so how do we love one another really, really well? And last week, Christian talked about how we, in fact, love one another well. And in this week, I'm going to provide the counter to that and kind of talk about what happens when that goes a little bit sideways. But... To get started, I want to bring you to the book of Galatians, and that was the passage that you just heard Christian read, but before we get to that passage that we're going to be talking about today, I'm going to give you a summary of the book of Galatians. I decided to put it at the beginning when you're most likely to be paying attention, um, then I can entertain you with other stuff later. Uh, so the book of Galatians, it's Paul writing to a church in Galatia, and uh, this book was an or originally a letter that was written to a congregation of people to be read out loud in its entirety. And that's kind of funny to me because oftentimes we, you know, uh, take a passage of scripture just for the sake of time, right? And we just teach of one section, but these uh, churches would have heard this entire letter in context. And if you get like a really long email or really long text messages, you don't just read one sentence and be like, I got it. I know everything that they're saying. This makes total sense to me, especially if it's at the end. And so because the passage we're looking at today is at the end of the book of Galatians, I want to catch you up. I want to bring you up to speed on what takes place before we get to this passage. So Galatians 1 and 2, uh, Paul's writing to this church and he's, he's pretty upset with them. We can kind of tell that based on the language he's using. And he's upset with them uh, because they have misunderstood something about the gospel. And by the gospel, I just mean the good news of what God has done for the world, that they have this sort of core misunderstanding of their faith. And he spells that out in Galatians 1 and 2. He says, people are made right with God through trust in Jesus, not by what they do. You see, this church had some teachers come into it, and they had uh, fallen into this pattern of living, this way of teaching that says, yes, trusting in Jesus is important, but it needs to be coupled with, it needs to be brought alongside these very specific religious practices. 
And so if, if you are going to follow Jesus, if you're gonna be in right standing with God, yes, you need to trust in Jesus, but you also need to do this other stuff too. And Paul pushes back hard against that and says there is something fundamentally wrong with that assumption. That the work of Jesus is complete and full and finished. And that there is nothing that we can do, religious or not, to add to that finished work. So that's what Galatians 1 and 2 says. But Paul continues his argument in Galatians 3 and 4. He says, in fact, since the very beginning of time, God's intention from the very beginning has always been to create a family of all people. And yes, before Jesus came, there is this thing called the law, which were these rules for the way people ought to live to be good witnesses to, to God in the world. But Jesus has come, and he has fulfilled that law, so we are not under it any longer. In fact, Jesus has come so that we might have freedom in Christ. That now, because what Jesus has done, everyone is invited into the family and everyone is called to be free in Christ. And then in Galatians 5 and 6, what we're going to look at today, he talks about this freedom and what we get to do with this freedom. Paul suggests that it should be that we put off the old humanity and live by the Spirit, which of course we'll talk more about in a moment. But that's what we're going to talk about today, freedom, because I think if we're going to love one another well, we have to realize that we have a choice to make, that we have legitimate freedom, that Christ comes, that he completes the work for us, and then he says, you have this real, authentic, tangible freedom to live your life in the way that you see fit. There are real consequential choices that you get to make about how you use this freedom that you have in Christ. And Paul thinks there's a very specific way we should live. But the reason I give you this summary is that if we just jumped into this passage in chapter five, I think we could fall into the very thing that Paul was warning us from, which is to think to ourselves, okay, so if this is the way that I should live, this is probably the way I should live if I want God to be happy with me. And we must look at everything we talk about today in the correct order. That it is not Jesus plus behavior equals right standing with God. It is always Jesus, what he has done equals right standing with God. And I live out of a response to the work that has already been completed and finished. You have freedom. Nothing will change that. What do you want to do with it? So we get to our passage in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. There's that freedom world. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. There's that one another word. Humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, which we heard Jesus say in John 13 just a few moments ago, Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, 
orgies, and the like. Let's move on to the next slide. Weren't expecting to hear that in church this morning. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. That's the passage that we have to look at today. And when I read this passage, it's pretty dense, but what I think of is that Paul is saying, you have freedom, and you've got basically two options of what you want to do with that freedom. There's two paths. You can either live in the spirit or you can indulge the flesh. Now listen, I know you guys are smart. And so I'm going, you have two choices. What one do you want to choose? You already know. I already know. This sounds bad and weird. Who here wants to indulge the flesh? Like that term kind of makes my skin crawl a little bit. We already know that we should live by the spirit. We might not fully know what that means, but it sounds like the right answer. And it is the right answer. But I don't think Paul would be talking about these two options if we weren't actually tempted to do, choose this one instead. So as we go on, and you're going to hear this phrase, indulge the flesh, what I want to think you to think about is that temptation that we have to kind of choose ourselves first. To do what feels good for us over what might be beneficial or helpful for someone else. It's kind of like, I, I want to I do what sounds best to me, even though I know something else might actually be more helpful to someone else. That's kind of what I want you to think when you think about that. And I think, actually, we've been using our freedom to do this from the time that we are very young. From the moment we're born, practically, I think we have this temptation to say, I would like to do what sounds best to me, even if it's a problem for other people. And in fact, I have evidence for you this morning. For those of you that don't know, I'm a triplet, so I've got two brothers. I've got a younger sister. I feel bad not like mentioning her as if she doesn't exist. Uh, she wasn't born at the time of this video you're going to watch. But uh, my dad, um, maybe because he was bored or I don't know why, he would re record like little home movies of us as uh, toddlers. And so I have one to show you this morning. It's all of us playing basketball. Some of us play basketball a lot better than others, as you will see in the video. Um, TJ is the one with the with maroon and blue striped outfit. Jackson's got the green pants and the white shirt. And I am in the red pants, and I have the mullet in the video. So that's pretty unfortunate. But I'm going to show it to you anyways. Uh, here we go. So this is my brother TJ playing basketball. Yay! Amazing. We're TJ all cheering. He is Woo! very good at basketball to this day. This is some good all foreshadowing right. happening. Oh, I'm about yeah, to go. Oh, but TJ's I get a little shy. Again. Oh, oh, look at that. She throws Yay! it underneath the hoop and cheers as if she's done the same thing TJ has. Still TJ going. Oh, TJ's crushing it. If you notice, go. I just throw balls near the hoop, and that's good enough Whoa, for me. Oh, shot. here I go again. Yep, that's not look at it. Look that. Two years old and a okay. basketball star. Jackson's coming up to the plate. Oh, another one from oh, me. Good try. Rare Jackson's miss from TJ. Jackson's cheering. Okay, this is where you really need to watch. Jackson kind of hacks it. He kind of figures it Shoot out. Basket, Jackson. Yeah. 
There we go. Gotta find an angle, don't you? Don't tip it over. Jackson, don't tip the basket over. Please don't. What did Daddy just say? Daddy said no. Don't tip it over. <laughs> Um, so basically, if you couldn't hear what my dad was saying, the moment the ball leaves Jackson's hand, the idea sparks in his brain that what sounds most fun to him in the moment is just to push that basketball hoop right over. And the speed at which my dad figures out what Jackson's going to do tells me that this is an activity Jackson liked to do a lot. Um, and he just walks right up to that hoop. And even though my dad's like, don't do it, Jackson, just don't. Oh, it sounds so good. And he just pushes that basketball hoop right over. Now, we watched that when we were little because we thought it was funny, and um, it was actually a pretty good prediction of our future athletic careers. TJ's good at basketball. Jackson did enough to figure it out, and I was always bad. Um, so I wish I would have watched that and then just lived my life by that. It would have saved me a lot of pain um, and let down expectations. But I think that video, as kind of blatantly obvious or silly as it is, is important for us to pay attention to because the thing I like about toddlers is that they haven't figured out kind of the social implications of like, you're supposed to present yourself kind of nicely to others regardless of kind of what you're thinking on the inside. Toddlers only know how to be toddlers. They only know how to present to you the emotions and thoughts and impulses that they have in the moment. And so we see Jackson just walk up to that basketball hoop and push it right over. And I think, well, that's kind of me sometimes. Like, I figured out how to present myself in a way to you where you, I, you think that I am selfless and loving and kind all of the time. When I go to the grocery store, I got my head on a swivel. Is anyone from Shepherd here? I better look happy and like I'm excited to be here and very nice to the grocery workers, which I normally am. I'm not secretly mean to them. But there's something inside of me that goes, oh, but, but every once in a while, doesn't that feel good? Every once in a while, like, doesn't it just feel good to, to choose something for yourself? I mean, what Jackson did, it wasn't all that bad. It was kind of funny. It wasn't really hurting anybody. And, like, I know that people need to be cared for, but sometimes, like, I deserve it. I should just take a break, because life gets hard and it gets overwhelming. Is it, is it really so bad to pick myself first every once in a while? A lot of other people seem to do it. And before I've caught myself, I've realized that I've reasoned my way into these two choices all of a sudden becoming a lot more realistic, a lot more challenging. Yeah, when they have scary big titles like live in the spirit and indulge the flesh, I know which one I want to choose. Yeah, when I'm sitting here on Sunday morning and I have the best intentions to live my life after the fellowship, the modeling of who Jesus is, yes, I know which one to choose, but Sunday afternoon when I'm like taking a nap, Monday morning on my commute, when I'm really tired, that choice becomes a lot more difficult when we rename it, choose myself or choose someone else before me, all of a sudden I'm torn. All of a sudden I'm wondering if it's really so bad to go down this path. So let's go down it for a moment, shall we? What happens if we decide to indulge the flesh? Is it really that bad? Well, Paul, he seems to think so because this is what he says. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
Later, he says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, if you're, if you're listening closely, you might be like, whoa, there seems to have been a jump that was made. I was just choosing myself. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody else. But Paul is pretty clear in this passage. He's pretty clear in the scripture that if we, if we choose ourselves, the natural result is this that we might not intend to hurt anyone if we indulge the the flesh, if we go down that path. But Paul, the reason I think he's warning so hard against it is he goes, but this is what ends up happening anyways. It's the crumbling of our relationships. It's the resistance to Jesus's highest call and command for us, which is to love one another. If we choose ourselves, Paul seems to be saying, the inevitable result is that we will hurt people around us. I think that's why he says in Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, what I'd really prefer is if I could have one foot in both paths. And that I could do the live in the spirit thing when I need to, when I need to, when I'm around people, all of those things. And then, and then I could every once in a while jump back to the choosing myself path. That I could just kind of hop back and forth between the two. But Paul actually says, no, 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 these are divergent. These are contrary to each other. They're going in opposite directions. You can't actually choose one and the other and think that you can stay on both. You will be pulled in one direction or the other. And it makes me wonder if we don't actually tell ourselves a lie about freedom. If there actually isn't maybe a lie that we're telling us about freedom. You see, I find myself thinking a lot that the best version, the best form of my life is that I, if I could have everything the way that I wanted, if I could call all of the shots, if I could make all the choices, if I could get what I wanted the way that I wanted, then I would be the most fulfilled. Then I would be living my life to the fullest. And I wonder if that is the deception and the lie that we believe the very thing that Jesus had to rescue us from. That we look at that path that says, indulge the flesh, call the shots, and we think, well, that's what I want. I want my life the way that I think it should be lived, where I get to make the decisions. That sounds like the freest I could be. And I wonder if actually the lie that we're telling ourselves is that looks like freedom when Jesus is saying no, real, true freedom, it looks different than maybe you think. That maybe, just maybe, your perspective is a little bit skewed, it's a little bit shifted, it's a little bit altered, that the highest form of freedom is actually living by the Spirit, is actually living for one another. That it sounds upside down and flipped, but maybe the very thing that Jesus rescued us from was the flesh, saying, you think you want it your ways, but you actually don't. Your way's kind of bad. My way is better. It is the highest way of your freedom. It reminds me of this story about President James Garfield. Um, over break, I got into listening to podcasts on American history. 
I don't know how that happened. Disclaimer, I don't actually know that much about American history. I've only listened to like a couple podcasts, so don't try to talk to me about American history because I don't actually know that much. But I did listen to one about um, presidential assassinations. Super interesting. Um, and this is President James Garfield, who honestly didn't even know he was a president. Um, but now I do. Uh, he was the 20th president of the United States in the 1880s, and he is one of the assassinated presidents. And basically what happens is he's going to the train station to go on vacation with his family to the sea or something like that. And at that time, there's no secret service, and because America is a relatively new democracy, they're like, people should have access to their leader at all times. So you can just walk up to James in the middle of the street and be like, what's up, man, and shake his hand. Couldn't do that today. So there's this guy, and he really wants to be, it's a long story, but essentially he really wants to be the ambassador to France, and he's kind of insane, um, and he's definitely not going to be the ambassador to France, but it takes him a long time to kind of come to that conclusion. And when he figures out that the president isn't going to make him the ambassador to France, he gets really, really angry, and he shoots the president at the train station. He just walks right up and does it. And so what happens is actually the president doesn't die there. He, he goes back to his home, and it, it's looking like he might be able to survive this gunshot, that it's not fatal. And so a doctor is brought in. He's the doctor of one of the president's advisors. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to take over his care. I'm going to see fit to it. I'm going to manage it. Nobody else can come in. He won't let any other doctors see James Garfield because he knows the best way for his care. And about this time, there's this new trend, this new fad in medical science that says, if you sanitize your medical equipment and wash your hands, that maybe you could prevent infection. Like, it would be a good step at preventing infection. This doctor thinks that's dumb. And so, uh, he's not convinced that that is, in fact, an advancement. And so what he does, he ends up doing, is actually inspecting James Garfield's wound with his unwashed hands and his unsanitized equipment. So what actually kills James Garfield is not the bullet, it's the infection that overtakes his body that eventually kills him. And I was listening to that podcast and knowing I was preaching this message, I thought like, whoa. Um, maybe your brain doesn't go there, but my brain did. And I was like, this, this maybe is a metaphor for like our freedom. That we think we know best, that we think we can call the shots. And certainly this doctor did. He was a doctor. He was an expert. He wasn't like a random guy off the street. But that sometimes our best perspective, our best intentions, if I could just have it my way, is actually wrong. It's actually the very thing that, that creates the infection, that creates the problem, that creates the pain. And it's about us deciding to trust someone else above ourselves. What would have happened if that doctor would have let someone else in? So what would it look like if we did that? What would it look like if we chose that other path, to live by the Spirit? And when I say Spirit, I mean the Holy Spirit, which we believe uh, when you kind of accept Jesus, when you decide to follow Jesus, that you get the Holy Spirit, which is God's Spirit that lives inside of you, that enables you to do more than you could on your own. And Paul says that when we choose this path, 
this direction, this is what happens. He reads it in Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That this fruit of the Spirit that we list off a lot is actually the way of Jesus that he wants to reproduce in his family. That this is Jesus' way that he lived and that it's his hope for you and for me. That we would be peaceful and gentle and self-controlled and loving and joyful. And when I had heard those words before, I was like, yeah, those are like really fun personality traits, you know? Like, oh, that person's nice. They're a good person. They have all these good qualities. But I actually kind of looked up what sort of the meaning of these words that were in the original language to say, are they, are they uh, the same thing as what I think them to be? And I was pretty surprised at what I found. Um, I'll just read off a few. Goodness means generosity or being concerned with the welfare of others. Faithfulness means reliability or commitment. Kindness is the quality of being helpful. And peace is harmony in personal relationships. You see, these aren't just like personality traits, things that like keep we keep in our hearts that like make us good people, they're actually incredibly active. They're other focused. It's almost like Jesus's greatest command, love one another. It's almost like they're how we do that. That the very thing Jesus wants to grow inside of us is the thing that enables us and allows us to fulfill his highest, greatest hope for his followers that we would love one another by being peaceful, by being living in harmony with one another, by being kind, by being helpful with one another, by being reliable, by being concerned with each other, that that's actually the thing that Jesus most wants to grow in you. And I think it's important, though, that we acknowledge that this is the fruit of the Spirit. I'd heard that phrase a lot, like the fruit of the Spirit. I was like, okay, great, why fruit? And it's this... uh, plant image, I don't know enough about plants to really tell you this uh, brilliantly, but, but what I do know is that he doesn't say the sprout of the spirit. Like, I just put the seeds in and the next day they're sprouts. Oh my gosh, Jesus is doing things in me. It's the fruit of the spirit. I think I know enough to know that you put the seed in the ground and then the sprout and then the plant grows and then after the plant grows sometimes you get flowers and then after then finally you get fruit like that's sort of the last thing that comes <laughs> gardeners help me out but this isn't immediate it actually requires cultivation and i think that's what makes these two paths so challenging because we might go down the live by the Spirit, the one another, and we might go, why am I not different today? Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's growth over time, it's cultivation. So that's why I think he says in Galatians 5.25, since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That we go with Jesus, that we trust him on this path, that while I don't look entirely different today, if I keep going on this direction, that fruit will grow up inside of me. And I will be able to use the highest form of freedom that I have, and that is in loving one another. 
there's this, um, these words of Jesus that the message version translates from. I, I think it's the passage where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And it's this phrase from the message. I don't remember the reference, but it's, it's Jesus saying, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And I've just been holding that inside of my heart these last few weeks, going, okay, Jesus, I trust you with my freedom. I know I could live my life however I want, that that is a real legitimate choice that you give me. And I'm gonna trust that your way is better for me and for others. And so I wanna walk with you. I wanna, I wanna be close to you. I wanna do things that, that bring me close to you every day. I don't want to watch you. I want to pay attention to what you do, how you treat people, how you change people so that I can learn and grow. And then I want to watch how you do it. I want to work with you so that I can grow that too. I want to walk with you and work with you and watch how you do it. And I don't have a, a, a lot else to say besides the fact of what has been sitting with me isn't this process of going, okay, now go home and just like, water your plants a lot. See, everyone try to grow a fruit tree, and then maybe we'll know. Maybe we should do that, honestly. I don't know. But maybe you would just spend some time in the next seven days or whatever asking yourself, what is the highest use of my freedom? Like, like what, what do I really believe my, this life that I get to choose, what do I really believe the best use of it is for? And then ask yourself, what is being cultivated? What is being grown in me? Because I think a lot of this is, is simply about the lies that we believe about our freedom and then the decisions that we make about what path we want to go down. Maybe we would just be more aware of Jesus kind of whispering those words over and over again to us. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Because the good news about grace is saying you can always switch paths, you can always jump over. Jesus is planting new things every moment, day by day. And some seeds might not take at first, but some will. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you do give us uh, freedom. That you uh, completed all of the work for us. That there is nothing that we have to do to, to please you, Jesus. But we get to choose to trust you. That the way of life that you call us to, that you want to reproduce in us, is the highest, best way that we could live, Lord. And we come to you and apologize for the ways that we don't actually believe it. The ways that we doubt that the thing that you're calling to, because sometimes it feels harder that, that we don't want to go down that path, Jesus, but keep us close to you. Would you keep us curious to the work that you're, that you're doing? Would you help us be observant to the ways that you are moving, Lord? And would you be the good teacher that you are? Would you be the good gardener that you are, that you would grow in us, fruit of your spirit. Help us stay in step with you, Lord. We thank you for this. We pray this in your name.
Amen.